We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called The Power of Worship, and today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Worship That Exalts Christ. Let's open our Bibles and our hearts to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You basically have two choices here today, two choices when it comes to worship. Uh, You can come to church and you can worship Jesus Christ. We want to be a Christ-exalting church with Christ-exalting worship. But I'm going to tell you something. Not everyone here today came to worship Christ. You can also come to church to worship yourself and do self-exalting worship. Now, back in Chicago, I'm sure you guys have heard of uh, mobsters, gangsters, all that good stuff. Some of it's true. Some of it's legend. But definitely in Chicago, there's places where they have what they call front businesses. Actually, they have them here, too. I heard one on the radio the other day. A front business is, you know, they have some sort of nice, you know, golf course or, you know, auto repair shop or something like that. But it's really just a front There's like a gambling business or drug business or other stuff under the table going on. It's just a front. I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to how we worship Jesus Christ, sometimes when we come to Sunday, it can be a front for selfish worship. That's what was going on in Corinth. People were so like, hey, we're going to come to church. We're going to worship Jesus. No, actually, we're going to worship me. And we're going to do things the way I want to do them. And we're going to make me feel good about it. And I'm going to get a check mark so everybody thinks that I'm good. I mean, there's places in the South where people go to church. like, they go to church? Are you kidding me? That person is so wicked and self. Yeah, but, the, but it's, well, I go to church because I'm worshiping me and I want, a nice, I want everybody to think I'm nice and think I'm, it's all about self-worship. Well, that's not what we want to be. Uh, the title of the message today is Worship That Exalts Christ. That's what we're going for. Worship That Exalts Christ. Jesus Christ, I'm very excited. Let's begin reading uh, verse 17. It says this. Paul's transitioning from talking about marriage uh, now into the Lord's Supper. It says, but in the following instructions, what he's about ready to read, he says, I do not commend you. Um, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Now think about that. What if you came to church today and then you went home and you go, on the way home, you're just like, oh, it's so good to be going home. Every time I go to church, I come away more discouraged, more frustrated, more hurt, more selfish. I love that church. I go home feeling so much more uh, fruitless and just dumbed down. I love my church. I love Harvest. What? God forbid. That's what Paul's saying there. When these people are coming together, they're not coming together for better. They're coming together for worse. Everybody say, God forbid. You might need to say that again in a little bit. God forbid. But sadly, so many times in churches, some of us have gone to churches like that. When the people come together, there's division and anger and strife and selfishness. And I could go on and on and on. I'm going to tell you, that can happen in any church. All that needs to happen is people start worshiping themselves instead of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. Why don't you grab a pen, jot this in your notes. I undercut mutual ministry of Christ when I actively engage in or passively tolerate 
Notice that you can passively tolerate things that are destructive as well. When I tolerate, here's the first one, division. My selfish preferences above ministry to you. Paul gets a little sarcastic here. I love this. Verse 19, Paul says, For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine may be recognized. He's basically saying, hey, you know, you need some, you need some division from time to time. You need some factions so that the good people actually rise to the top. What? What if I came to you in a month and I said, you know what? There's so much division and chaos in our church that we actually found three people that are not divisive, and they're going to serve as your elders. I mean, they may be average. They may hardly be able to read their Bible. They're not, they're not divisive. That probably wouldn't be very exciting for you, would it? Any church that is brought to the level of only being able to recognize a few people because the others are such a mess, how about God forbid? What? Amen. Yeah. How sad. Well, the way to find spiritual people requires sifting through division and related carnage. Uh, Houston, we have a very big problem. Notice the word there in verse 18. It says, for I hear that there are divisions. The Greek word there is schismata, from which we get our English word schism. It means to tear, to crack, division, dissension. It's kind of like this. My t-shirt, this is the church. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. When divisions start to come into play, a church that's healthy and loving begins to be torn apart. Well, what causes division within a church? You ever asked yourself that? How do these divisions start? How do churches get in messes where people can't get along and don't love each other? When convictions are based on four things, this is when we get into trouble. First, preferences over scripture. Preferences over scripture. You know, the infamous thing that churches fight about is carpet, right? The color of the carpet. Listen, I'm going to tell you, God does not care what the color of the carpet is. He doesn't care if it's green. He doesn't care if it's blue. He doesn't care if it's purple. God cares that the church is a place where the name of his son is being exalted. That's what God cares about. Here's the second thing. Preferences over scripture, then minors become majors. We have a saying here at Harvest on the major's conviction, on the minor's tolerance, in all things love. You see, you know, if somebody wanted to come up to me after their service and say, I'm not really sure if Jesus Christ is God. Okay, that's a major. We're going to talk about that one. But if someone wants to come up to me after the service and say, I'm not sure if we should have contemporary worship. I really think that hymns are more what scripture has. Um, that's a minor. Okay, you can debate. There's plenty of great churches that will never see a bass guitar or set of drums ever. And if you love that, praise God. There's plenty of good churches like that. In fact, I even know some pastors that go to church, lead churches like that. But that is not a major. That's a minor. That's a preference. However, when minors become majors, that's a great time for division. Maybe I should just tear this up completely. It's wasted anyways, right? So here's your church. Minors become majors. Here's another one. When loyalty to leaders above Christ, you can just hear the church tearing down the middle. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we talked about this almost a year ago now. 
Paul said at the beginning of the letter to Corinth, he said, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, and then they throw down the trump card. I follow Christ. I love how people play that trump card. I mean, what's the answer to that? I follow God the Father. Everybody's playing their cards saying, I'm following this leader, I'm following that leader, and they're raising them up above Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. If somebody ever comes to this church and says, I don't care what the Bible says, I care what Pastor Luke says, I'll say, wait right there, stop. Anytime people begin to follow leaders, either consciously or subconsciously, above Jesus Christ, um, that's spelt cult, Okay? And this church was being torn asunder as people were following leaders above their loyalty to Jesus Christ or just pretending to have loyalty to Jesus Christ. That's not what following Christ is. Here's the final one. I said preferences over scripture, minors become majors, loyalty to leaders above Christ. Here's the fourth way that division comes into a church. My freedom over building up or freedom over building up. When someone says, I don't care about how my actions affect others, that's a problem. I tell tell you what, in Jesus Christ, you have the freedom to do so many things. You have freedom. But as Paul said a few chapters ago, listen, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to hurt other people. You have to be sensitive to others. You have to think about what others are going through and, and not like, for example, many times the alcohol is used, okay? Scripture says you can drink alcohol. But if it's a stumbling block for your fellow brother, uh, for sure don't drink around him, okay? And certainly do it in moderation like Scripture talks about. But there's times where we have to limit our freedom for the sake of not offending others. But when people just don't care, that's a problem. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear a building up. That's what God wants. God wants us to be building up others. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these Meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, We'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. Let's continue reading verse 20. Paul continues, he says, When you come together, it is not for the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Like, Paul couldn't have said any better. What? Yeah, I was just thinking maybe next week we'll do church like Corinth did. I just thought we'd have three sections. We can have the section for those who are drunk. We can have the section in the middle for those who are bloated. I mean, make sure you eat plenty before church next week for those who are bloated. And then we'll have a section on the left side for those who, you know, don't have a job and are starving. Like, you're going, what? These people don't care for each other? These people are, wow. For real. For real. 
what Paul is referring to here. Uh, each week, especially in the early church, they would have what they would call the love feast so that the church would get together probably in somebody's home and they would have a dinner together, kind of like when we would have a potluck, okay? They would have a potluck and then they would have communion at the end of that time. Considering they're meeting on a Sunday, but this was not in America, okay? So all the day laborers, all the slaves, they had to work all day. And what would happen is a lot of the wealthier people would get together. They'd bring, you know, surf and turf. They'd be, uh, you know, eating it up good. They'd be starting early, you know, having a good time. And then all the people that had to work that day, they were coming in. They didn't even have a chance to stop at McDonald's for food. They just came right to the service and brought with little or nothing they had. And here's these other people that are gorging themselves, drunk by this point. But here they are just having a grand old time. And then these people are coming and all the food's gone. You ever, you ever come to a potluck late? And like all, you can tell which are all the good dishes, right? Because they're like on. And then there's like that one dish that everybody doesn't even want to touch. And that's like full. Well, even that one was gone by this time, okay? And so they're coming in and there's nothing left. And there's like, there's no care for each other. There's no sense of, hey, Johnny's slave is coming in 20 minutes. Let's, let's, let's put out a plate for him. Let's care for him. And so they're all like doing their own thing, getting drunk, bloated, people starving, nobody caring about each other. And they're like, hey, it's time to, let's do the Lord's Supper together. Like, what a mockery of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, there is neither slave nor free. We are one. And yet the way the Corinthians were doing their services was anything but. One commentator said, because this went on, he writes this, in the early church, the love feast and communion customarily were held together, but abuses such as those in Corinth eventually forced the two to be separated in order to protect communion. And the love feast soon disappeared altogether. Sad commentary on Christians who do not care for one another. Verse 22, Paul says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? Uh, No, I will not. You know, the real problem in the Corinthian church usually surface things, evidence, heart issues. Notice in here it says a word that you should highlight, underline. It says, or do you despise the church of God? What he's saying is when you're treating people like this, what you're really doing is you're really just saying something about what you think about the church. This church is not more important to you than your own way of doing life, your own priorities, your own selfishness. And he says, you're even willing to humiliate people. Like, how bad is that? How sad is that? When people care so little for one another that they are willing to humiliate each other just for their own selfish reasons. God forbid. During the Great Depression, uh, there was a season in certain states where literally the topsoil was blown away and, and farmers literally were on the verge of starving. And many of them would get in cars. If you ever watched the, uh, I think it's the movie called Grapes of Wrath, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it's a story, people would just go out west. They basically packed what little things they had, packed their kids. They just got the family and just completely deserted their farms and just went west. They would go to California, go to Oregon, just looking for jobs, looking for a chance to make a life for themselves. Very sad stories. Listen, they, they didn't have options. It wasn't like, we'll go to California, check out the job market there. If that's not working, we'll come back and go east. It was like California or bust. 
or Oregon or bust. Either we're gonna make it there and find jobs or we're gonna die trying, almost literally. And that desperation, that commitment to this is it. I'm gonna tell you something, that should be in the church too. When we look at the worship of Jesus Christ, when we think about exalting his name, our motto should be Christ-exalting worship or bust. There's no other in-between. We don't exist here for ourselves to smile at each other, to be friendly to one another. This is not a place, it's not a, a hangout, it's not a club. We exist for one thing, and one thing only is to pursue the worship of Jesus Christ. That's it. Christ-exalting worship or bust. Here's the second problem. I undercut mutual ministry of Christ when I actively engage in or passively tolerate despising you have little or no value to me. Wow. I should hope that would never be said in the church. And yet sometimes we can, um, un even unknowingly at times, treat people as though they have no meaning to us. Listen, the gospel cuts across gender. It cuts across history. It cuts across family. It cuts across status. It cuts across everything. What are we supposed to do? What should we do if our church or us individually are in a place? And I would say this. I believe our church is in a good place. I'm very grateful for that. But someday we're going to struggle with division and despising. Or maybe we do individually even now. What do we do when that happens? What are we supposed to do? We need to refocus. We need to say is Christ-exalting worship or bust. Less of me, 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 and more, oh, by the way, did I mention me? We need to get away from that and get on the program that God put in place. What's the answer? My greatest need in times of division and despising, revealed truth. Revealed truth. I love what Paul says next. He's just finished giving it to him. He says, verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered for you. Stop. That's awesome. When you're in a time in your family where there's division, when you're in a time where uh, there's strife in your small group or strife with other leaders or strife within your uh, children's ministry classroom, there will always be rubs that come. But as long as we have love, as long as we're selfless, as long as we're focused on exalting Jesus Christ, it's all good. We can work through that. We need God's truth. We need God's truth. Now notice here when he says, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. Most of us read in Corinthians, and actually this is probably the first time that the Lord's Supper is recorded in God's word. Uh, most of the gospels, perhaps Matthew was written earlier, but most scholars think that the gospels, were, the rest of the gospels were written after this. So when Paul wrote this down, this is one of the first times it's ever been recorded, probably, or from the letters that we have. So he's speaking, he also, he also is speaking it directly from Revelation from Christ. Uh, Galatians 1.12, if you want to check that out later. Uh, Christ revealed a number of things directly to Paul. No matter what difficult situation you're in, whether it's division or it's something totally different, the number one thing you need is a message from God. Okay? When you have problems in your life, go here. And if you don't know this very well, find somebody else who does. 
But that's the purpose of elders. That's the purpose of small group leaders, is to help you find the passages in Scripture that can get you back on the track, that can help you get to a place that's better and healthy. That's biblical soul care. Think of this. My situation needs revelation. My situation needs revelation. Let's continue reading verse 23. For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, the Lord's Supper is a reminder of the centrality of Jesus Christ in our worship. But I want to draw your attention to the word remember, remembrance. Listen, the way that you get away from division and despising one another is by focusing on who we are in Jesus Christ. Does anybody remember, what's the term they use for What's the medical term they use for a time when people lose their memory? What's that, what's that term? Amnesia. amnesia? Glad you all remembered. That's good. There's actually a specific type of amnesia. It's called lacunar amnesia. It's a condition in which the memory is partially lost, or here's the key point, or the memory of isolated events are lost. Okay, there's a whole bunch of different types of amnesia. This is just one where you lose certain events Often Christians suffer this kind of amnesia. We forget the work of Christ. We forget what he has done. And when we forget that, bad things happen. When we forget Christ's body, really uh, when he says the body, that's referring to all that he's done, and we forget his blood, what do we do then? When we forget the work of Christ, we have a tendency to remember a lot of other things. Things like my status, things like my preferences, my bitterness, my achievements. That's why Jesus said, remember me, remember me. If you forget the cross, if you forget who Jesus Christ is, you're going to have a bad time remembering all these other things that get in the way. However, when we remember Christ, we remember his divinity. He's God. His incarnation, becoming a man, coming to earth. His cross, his atonement for my sin, his resurrection and glory in heaven. Listen, I forget my self-importance, my grievances, my accomplishments. When I'm focused on Christ and what he has done to come to earth to bring atonement for my sin, to bring salvation for my sin, wow, then I'm ready to worship So many times when we get caught up in these divisions, relational especially, all these things going on, I don't like that person, that person's done this, and I wish I had life like this, and so many times when we're all looking down like this, it's because we're not remembering what Christ has done. But when our eyes are on him and what he has done, especially here where we're talking about in the Lord's Supper, it's then when we're freed from ourselves to embrace the gospel in every moment. Christ exalting or bust. Now we're getting somewhere. Look at verse 26. Paul continues, he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes, a time for us to proclaim the means of salvation. I want you to notice in verse 26, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim. That you is plural. He's saying when you do this, you are proclaiming together. Now, right now, fortunately, there's only one preacher. However, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? There's 150 preachers, 200 preachers. We're all proclaiming something. When we take those elements, we're saying something about what we believe and what we think about Jesus Christ. We're proclaiming the means of salvation. Again, the Lord's Supper, a time for me to proclaim the means of salvation. How awesome is that? Sometimes I think we get caught up in just the routine of, okay, it's time for me to drink the grape juice and the bread, and let's just do that. It's so easy for us to do that without thinking about what we're doing. When we take that, we're remembering. Without these two elements and what these represent, I would be headed to an eternity separated from the living God. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.